0: Hey, hey! what's going on, you guys? It's Chase. Welcome to another episode of the show. That's right. This is the show where I sit down with the world's top creators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. I do everything I can to unpack their brains, and my guest today, you will know him well. He is the founder of FUBU. He's the shark. He calls himself the shark in the grass shark, On ABC's hit series Shark Tank, it is none other than the Damon John. Super good to have Damon in the house. Uh, It's his second time on the show, so he's a veteran. And in this episode, we cover a ton of ground. Uh, We get into some backstory that I think a lot of folks don't know around his decision of why he moved from one business to the next to the next. Um, in that previous conversation we've had on the show, which you should listen to if you're a fan of Damon's or the show, he went into some detail about, you know, selling hats on the street corner, and that's how FUBU was was uh, born. But what we didn't talk about too much before then was his moving from one gig to the next because they weren't working. Uh, And I think so many entrepreneurs think that the folks that are on TV and who've struck it big with big brands, they just walk out the door one morning and they throw a dart and it hits the bullseye and away they go. And what we get into a little bit in this episode is how things weren't working for him. His health wasn't where he wanted it to be. He was working long, hard hours and jobs weren't paying him as well as, for example, waiting tables at Red Lobster. So we kind of a cover a ton of ground on his backstory uh, as an entrepreneur, which is the stuff that I love. It's the, the gritty underbelly that you don't see um, on TV and certainly don't see in any short form interviews. So we get to cover a lot of ground on that. Um, we talked a lot also about his new book. His new book called Rise and Grind, which is coming out, uh, I'm not quite sure when you're going to be listening to this episode, but it comes out in January 2018, Um, so we recorded this here in December. In a few weeks, we got him him early before he's really on his his hype tour, but it was really fun to talk to him. The, The book is, the way he described it, as chronicling 10 to 15, I think maybe 16 people that are in his world, friends of his folks like Catherine Zeta-Jones, for example, folks like Gary Vee, who are in Damon's world that have a variety of different set of habits, you know, how they start each day, for example, what things that they used to do that they don't, or what things did they always do that they won't do anymore. And just really, really interesting backstory there. I have seen an advanced copy of the book. It's uh, very valuable, very valuable. It's almost like a, it's it's a reference guide, basically, for what, what to do and what not to do. And more importantly is that we get a little insight, especially in this show, into what Damon does every morning. Um, so there's some good tactical uh, out of this episode. Also, we cover a range of things, including some of his specific goals. He's working on 10 goals right now. He shares uh, one of those goals with us. Uh, this is, again, his very, very personal personal and professional stuff, and he shares one with us on the show, which I think you will appreciate, especially if you are an entrepreneur and you've got other commitments, say like a family or uh, a side hustle job that you're trying to manage two things. Um, I thought it was really insightful. Uh, he also shared a handful of things that have been hard for him. Uh, we talk about his dyslexia. We talk about the state of the world and how he wants to save everything you know, that he can and be a part of so many things that you're, the reality is he can only do a few things well, it's just—it's a really personable and personal side of Damon. I've known him for a little bit now, but it's—it's it's really fun to see him in this particular show open up in a way that I haven't seen him before. So uh, I'm gonna get out of the way, and I want you to get in the show. But before we do, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of Chase Jarvis Live Show is brought to you by Creative Live. Creative Live is the world's largest and best platform for creative and entrepreneurial education. And right now you're saying, wait a minute, isn't that the company that you started? Yes, it is. It is my company, but they make this show Possible. And if you don't know anything about Creative Live, you must check it out. It's where Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, the best of the best teach photo, video, art design, music and audio, craft and maker, and the ability to make a living and a life in all of those disciplines. There is free content there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and there's also more than 10,000 hours of content for you to access on demand. You guys know I'm a huge believer in the power of daily habits, and today Creative Live, as a part of the sponsor announcement, wants you to know that they have a new very powerful way to make education a part of your daily routine that would be the creative live iphone ipad and apple tv apps they're all free and they let you watch all of the creative life classes that are on air streaming for free anything you already own and on the iphone and ipad apps you can watch one daily lesson of your choosing for free that is one of 25,000 lessons for free, which is super <laughs> super gnarly. To get those apps, go to the App Store, uh, iTunes and search Creative Live or go to creativelive.com/apps. There you go. Now, let's get into the show. Again, thank you.
1: So Veteran of the show, yeah, man. You, you know, you you have some good questions. I love it. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah. I liked our last interview a lot. It was very very popular. And that was a little bit about the power of broke. Yep. Uh, but new book, new book. Congratulations. My, my new book, uh, Rise and Grind. It's going
1: to be out um, uh, January twenty third. Okay. I believe Is that twenty
0: third. January
1: twenty third. Um, just bringing the heat. The the new year. Um, it's just <laughs> I'm going. I'm going hard, baby. Um, and pretty much, you know. Um, here's Here's what the concept of the book, you know, as we had talked about the power broke and the fact that I wanted to get people to realize, stop using the fact that you don't have money as an excuse. I understand everybody else in the world tells you you need money to make money and all that other kind of stuff, yep, and I want to give people the mentality of all right, listen, I'm gonna need to do this myself, and i need I need to use my slack resources or the resources that are right in front of me yep. to get where I want to go so now after a, a lot of people have responded to that book really well and I, at first i thought they were going to hear power broke i don't want to i don't want to be reminded of me being broke or i don't want to hear when dave was broke" they responded to really you know to you know really amazing way they started to ask well what are the techniques you know i mean now, now i have the mentality what are the techniques uh, that you do every single day. And why are you more uh, successful than this person, or this person more successful than this person? We all have the same 24 hours in a day. Mm-hmm. So that's when I created uh, this new one, Rise and Grind. And the theory is that, listen, every day we're gonna rise. If we're not gonna rise, we're dead, right? <laughs> that's your defense, <laughs> you're just rising, right? Rise right. It, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. But your grind is your offense. And I've studied, I believe, uh, I- I've studied dozens of subjects, but I put about 16 subjects in this new book, and they range from, everywhere from uh, award-winning actress uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones to Santana, Carlos Santana, to our, our crazy friend Gary V, <laughs> to uh, um, you know a, a young man named Kyle Maynard, who um, was born with no arms and no legs, and uh, army, army crawled on uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, I'm, I'm sure you know yeah, him yeah. as well. Huh. Um, to various other people, uh, Brian Lee, who started Shoe Dazzle uh, and uh, oh, with, Kardashian, uh, with right? Kardashians, With yeah. uh, Legal Zoom, and then all of a sudden he does uh, Honest Company with Jessica Alba. I love uh, that story.
0: He wanted to be a rapper. He
1: wanted to be a rapper. Uh, <laughs> I think he. Got to uh, read he, the book. He's tonight. a young he was he was a young Asian man who told his parents he's moving to New York to be a rapper. <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you his rapping name. Um, I'll I'll let you read the book. Um, what a, you know, I asked them all the same questions and then some different ones. What do you do the first 90 minutes of your day? What do you do the last 90 minutes of your day? What did you do when you were 20 that you no longer do when you were 40? What did you do when you were 20 that you forgot to do and then when you started doing it again when you were 40 or 50, do you, you realize what got you back to this point? Yeah. Um, and I, I, would, I, I found probably over 50 things in there that everybody did in some way or another very similar. Whether in the, mor- Joel Osteen, whether it's in the morning they either prayed meditated, mentally like me, set a goal, uh, and zoned out. They took some time for themselves, yeah. and I found various other things, and, and, and it's amazing and fascinating. So this is what I, I wanted to create for people, because I wanted them to either say, I'm on the right track, I'm doing something, everybody was laughing at me when I do this, or maybe I should try this one, because this one doesn't work as well as this one. Yeah. And I've been using it myself, a lot of the stuff, uh, and it's been working for me, too. It's been helping improve my life, and, and that's, I'm a student of my books because I'm trying to ask them the same exact thing that other
0: people want to know. Yeah. So let's, uh, uh, the tactical stuff I love because there's so many things, it's the people who are watching this show, they're creators and entrepreneurs, they want to get their hustle and their grind on, and I think a lot of tactics, before we get to the tactics, I want to, I want to set the stage. Sure. Um, and there's a little bit of overlap between this and our last interview, if you haven't listened, you should. Uh, you folks at home who are paying attention right now. Um, but. Conceptually, take me back to your first entrepreneurial moment. I think, I I remember remember you selling hats, or something like this, like, like, how did it start for you?
1: um, I've had so many, and and even though you're saying the first, but they were first in different levels, it was just hustling, then it was just, all right, I have an idea, and I'm really gonna try to make it happen, then it was, all right, I'm actually gonna this idea was cool, but now I need to create a structure of business in whatever the the cases. Yeah. So I've had, I've had many entrepreneurial experiences, but I, I would say that my first uh, official uh, I'm-in-business-having-to-pay-taxes entrepreneurial experience yeah. uh, was before the hats. I was actually a, a, a van driver in Queens uh, in what we call uh, gypsy vans. And this is a van that, a uh, 15-passenger van, I would drive down the bus routes and pick up people for a dollar instead of the bus picking them up and they would pay cash and hop off, and, and I would get up every morning, five o'clock in the morning, and I would go to bed 10, 11 o'clock at night, and that was my first business, and I actually, you know, I enjoyed it at first, because it was fun, I was doing my own business, like all of us entrepreneurs, we were like, I was like, my success or my failure depends on the choices that I made, and I was really excited about it, but I got burned out, and I realized, uh, you know, if you look at the Tim Ferriss 40-hour work week or something of that, of that nature, I, I realized that I was working 60 hours and making less than I was making when I worked as a waiter in Red Lobster. I was netting less, and my yeah. health was declining, and I was miserable. Um, and uh, and then I went on to a couple other businesses, which was obviously I, I started selling hats uh, yeah. out of a passion and a, a love for a market that I felt was being ignored, and all of a sudden, bang, it became FUBU in a blink of an eye, which took nine years, but it's still <laughs> yeah. a blink of an eye.
0: Ten-year overnight success, yeah. right? So was there also was as an auto body thing? I remember you're buying some yeah. cars so, and building. Sorry. Right, so that was my side investment, <laughs> yeah. right? That was
1: the, all right, my day job was not going to make me rich. It'll be my homework theory. Yeah. I was driving the van. Uh, I had to save up as much money as I could. So probably about a year in after I paid for tickets, maintenance, and all that other crap, you know, uh, department of transportation violations and all that <laughs> kind of stuff, I, um, I, I had to... I had this idea that I was going to you know, um, buy and sell crash cars, right? So I'll buy it at 5,000, put 2,500 into it, and then sell it at 10,000. It was simple. And if you put the math together, I was going to do that every month, and then they would start compounding in two, three years, I was going to be a gazillionaire. yeah pretty much simple. I had it all planned out that go And it? I love <laughs> joking and saying Mike Tyson's you know theory is uh, you know everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, and life will punch you in the face. I pretty much got punched in the face probably six months into it, um, and then I found myself working a red lobster with none of that money, because I was trying to do it for money. Yeah, you know, um, I hate I really hate working on cars because I can't work <laughs> on them. <laughs> My hands are really buttery sore. My hands feel like veal. I'm not supposed to work on a car, man. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, You At least I you can, know
0: that about yourself, though. I love that.
1: Uh, you know, well, I, I knew it myself after the first yeah. transmission, you know, crushed my foot, and then I was real like, like you know what, I think <laughs> I think hats are better. You know, so, but again, you know, I, a lot of people out there chasing their dream, but their dream is uh, to just be rich, yeah. and that's not a dream, you know? Uh, if you if you if you if you try to go out and make just make money for the purpose of making money, first of all you could end up in the wrong place due to it. You could yeah. be miserable and then when you get it, if you don't have no goal on why you were trying to achieve this goal, you feel unfulfilled.
0: Yeah. So there's so much embedded in there and again this is I think a perfect overlap from our last conversation to this one, which is, for example, working just for money. Yeah. So inevitably this is a like of the 100 or so people we've had in the show, this is a pattern. You talked about the pattern for your book. Yeah. There's patterns, right? This, this, this is a
1: pattern in the and book, too, so
0: yeah. Inevitably, shit gets hard. Yeah. And when shit gets hard, and it does, in yeah. every business, mm-hmm. um, every business, it's how much do you care about what you're working on. Yeah. That's going to help you get through. And if you're just chasing dollars, yeah, you know, and, and this is a, there's so many folks out at home who are, I feel like trying to figure out what their thing is, and what I loved also about what you just said is that I mean, you just named like three or four things: you waited tables, you did crash cars, you sold hats, you had oh. you know your your uh, gypsy van pickup. Mm-hmm. How did you get from there to what you really want to do? What was the what was the internal conversation that was like? Well, transmission sucks. I don't want to go after money. I want to do something that I love. And so was love around the fashion part of it, or how did you get there?
1: Yeah, so it was out of fear. It was out of uh, it was out of fear. It was out of not trying to live up to everybody else's expectations, um, and then it happened. You know, so. I went through those periods of time as a young kid, just trying to hustle to make money. But at the time when I grew up, and the area I grew up was Hollis, Queens, and in Hollis, Queens, 1986 ripped Hollis, Queens apart in two different directions. One direction uh, was it was known as one of the areas where the first assassination of a of somebody who was being guarded for a court case was uh, killed by crack dealers because crack came in and and ripped the neighborhood apart. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends ended up becoming drug dealers and dying. President Reagan was talking about Hollis Quinn at the same time, at the same exact time, simultaneously. Run DMC, Salt and Pepper, LL Cool J, Ja uh, Rule, tribe called Quest, Fifty Cents, and everybody was from this area, right? From this one little three mile area. Yeah. So I decided I wanted that part of the world, LL Cool J and stuff like that. my friends started dying and going to jail and I started realizing, and and these are friends that I were in first grade with, it's not like I I came outside and said, hi, can I look to hang out with a drug dealer, right? These, These are kids you go through life with. And I started to fear a couple of things. I started to fear that number one, if I look at the stats, by the time my friends go in and out of jail in ten years, I made more money working at McDonald's if I if I could, and I didn't have to go to jail two and three years. I'm really cute. I didn't want to go to jail, man. <laughs> it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been beneficial it for would me. It'd have been
0: good. Um, good for somebody, but yeah, I'm here. not. A
1: tough, and I'm a, I was a scrawny little kid. I mean, I was five three. You know, I, you know, I didn't want to, go to jail. Also, um, I, they had to look over their back all the time, and 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 the only thing worse than jail is they were dead. So I didn't want to do that. Um, So I stayed away from that, and I tried to do all these little businesses. Now, when I finally realized this passion I wanted to do called FUBU, Mm -hmm. it wasn't because I was like, oh, uh, uh, you know, I'm gonna be rich. It was that, uh, at that time, hip hop to me was, and it still is, is a very valuable form of communication, and that was our version of Twitter and Instagram. We were communicating through the music now, right? The kids were talking about all these aspects, and then I started hearing rumors that these companies didn't like these kids, and I was going, Who's ever gonna show people that they love them and make this? So I started making it for passion, for mm-hmm. free. Number one, I was making it because I wanted to push this culture forward. Number two, I wanted to show on, uh, other other uh, people that I valued them. Uh, number three is, it gave me a reason to go onto the video sets to talk to all the video girls and eat the free food. I get to go on a set and see LL Cool J, because they're like, hey, you gotta get out of here. No, 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 I'm supplying the shirts and hats. <laughs>
0: I, Here's your chair, sir. Yeah, yeah. I
1: didn't I didn't <laughs> care if they bought a shirt or hat or yeah. not. I was there watching him do rock the bells. I was yeah. happy. Yeah. And and then I was I had a reason to talk to people at clubs and yeah. go out to the Javits Center at a flea market and talk to. It gave me purpose. Yeah. And and I would have done it for free forever. Right? You know, everybody else is paying to go to a video set or paying to go to a club. I'm getting in for free. Yeah. And I'm leaving a bunch of girls' phone numbers. Yeah. Right? And cool dudes who I can hang out with. Before I know it, man, I mean, it just kept growing and growing and growing and growing because yeah. I, I have no problem working for uh, 18 hours and one day on it. I had no problem, I loved it.
0: Because you loved it. Because I loved it. So there's something about contributing to culture that makes you feel like you're a part of a movement, something bigger than yourself, that I feel is also a really common thread from people who've been on the show. And I think it's cool that you ranked it because you know one, Let's talk about the fear, you, know, you said fear and being a part of something and supporting your yes. friends and, and then all those other, like money or fame or connection was number three, four, five. No. But let's go to fear, because I think, I, th- I found it interesting that not a lot of people find their passion out of fear, but I think it's very real and since not a lot of people talk about it, what's your take? Talk to yeah. me a little bit more about the fear,
1: fear. Yeah, think. so I, I think we all fear there's a couple things we all probably fear. Being judged unfairly, um, not being able to provide for our loved ones and our family, death and losing people that we, we, we love. Um, I think those are a lot of things. But the fear ourselves are often about the fear of being able to be acknowledged and or the fear of failing and people looking at you as a failure. Because yeah. you you you, it's
0: a human need, right? It's a human like, need, right? Babies that don't accepted. get loved, babies that don't get loved literally die. Yeah. So like yeah. conne- human connection you is a part of You wanna be accepted DNA. and you have to always second
1: guess yourself. I second guess myself every day, right? And, and it's the fear of saying, there, there's no point in my life that I didn't have fear and I call it a healthy paranoia in business. Mm-hmm. Pooh was doing well. Okay, well, the hot clothing line lasts five years, Damon. Did you get bit by the apple, you know, did you bite the apple once or get hit by lightning? No, I gotta do it again. All right, all right, you gotta do all right, you failed in the next three launches. What are you gonna do? No, I gotta do it again. Oh, uh, I gotta share this idea of who I am with the world. I wanna empower other entrepreneurs, but I'm dyslexic. I'm gonna write a book? Are you kidding me? People are gonna laugh at me, right? Um you know, you're gonna go on to be on a TV show. Are you, what are you talking? I'm not articulate. I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't go to college. Uh, you know, you have people like Mark Cuban. He's a billionaire sitting yeah. next to me. You know, I'm a couple of hundred million short. I mean, you know, how am I going to debate against him? All right, I gotta, I gotta have a mental judo game. I gotta create a chessboard against him. How I can't lose his deal? All right. All right, Mark Cuban's gonna give you a billion dollars, but you know, just like when you have a house, you only sleep in one bedroom, right? Mark has a mansion. I'm sleeping in one bedroom, and I'm here for you. You're the bedroom, right, man? Mark's yeah. running all around. Screw him, and then, I, bang, <laughs> I get him, and I, and I get him out of the deal. You know, fear of, uh, you know, am I, uh, am I, am I leaving my daughter's uh, inheritance or a legacy? How would, the, how will they perceive me? You know, fear yeah. of making my daughters public people, where now they have pressure on them, and I don't want. I want to hide them from everybody, or, or. In fear of anything else, you know, yeah. the president of the United States, President Obama, made me a uh, president, presidential ambassador for global entrepreneurship. I can never let him down, right? Yeah, it, it, it's always going to be some level of fear, and that fear is good if yeah. it's healthy.
0: Yeah, it's you so know? crazy. There's all kinds of good science coming out now talking about we've talked about how bad stress is for you. Yeah, stress is an amazing motivator. It is a motivator. It gives you superhuman strength. It gives you fortitude. It gives you power. Sure. And uh, I think it's. Well, it's admirable that you're willing to talk about that publicly. Um, you said a couple things in there that I also want to touch on, and, and that is your dyslexia. Yeah. Uh, so, Richard Branson was on the show not too long ago. Um, his, you know, for him, he also wrote a book and was really concerned about the view of what that meant being dyslexic, writing a book. Am I doing something that's, you know, uh, do I identify with this community? The fact that it's called dyslexia, it's mm-hmm. like a negative orientation. Sure. But tell me, A, you know, so many folks at home, we've all got our shit, right? We've all got our baggage. Yeah. How did you overcome that? And are you an entrepreneur in part because of that? And give me a little bit of insight there. So I didn't know I was
1: dyslexic until probably about, I think, 15 years ago. And I overcame it because my mother gave me so much love and passion. and. And she told me that uh, she she showed me where I excelled at, and she made my made me bust my ass, and where that I was weak at. Yeah, so
0: doubling down on your strengths, essentially.
1: Doubling right? down on my strengths, um, and also it is because you know is one of the reasons I'm an entrepreneur because number one I look at a book um, and I know I'm not grasping everything, so I have to read it three times when somebody has to read it one time. Number two is that even if I look at it and read it, I don't know if I absorb the information in a proper way. So if there is a way I can do what it's saying in the book, I go out and physically do it. I take action on it because then I say, okay, I got it correct. Um, when I was in high school, I, I, I um, you know, of course, I didn't want to go to history and I didn't want to go to English class. Um, so how did I? What was my cheat? How did I get out of it? Yeah, I went to a co-op program where I would get credit for going to work someplace one week and then come back to school the next. So now, I cut my work in half, wow. right? Uh, my school work yeah. in half. Going there, I ended up working uh, as a foot messenger for a company called First Boston. It happened to be a, a venture firm. Um, I would learn things in there, like I would go upstairs and the messengers were, the messengers were considered like, you ever seen when the caddies went to Caddy Shack and they get the day at the pool? <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> That's who we were when we go to the corporate uh, you know, uh, 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 cafeteria. So we'd all come in there, you know, headphones on, you know, whatever the case is, the right? Room. Rapping and dancing <laughs> and, and those. <laughs> but I would see people up there who were complaining about they couldn't get another house in the Hamptons and they're on their sixth, uh, sixth marriage or something yeah. like that and they were miserable. And I'd work down in the messenger center with people who were you know, they may have been sending money home to Dominican Republic, they were going home every night to their family and they had a better quality of life than the, than the rich assholes that I saw upstairs. Uh, so I started to realize a saying my mother used to always say that uh, money is a great uh, slave but a horrible master and I started to also, it started to, to, to build me as a person. Um, and then I, I realized I was dyslexic later on in life and I um, I was very harsh on my daughter who got expelled on purpose because the the the, the um, school works very hard and she yeah. and I didn't notice that she was dyslexic yeah wow. and now I, I love sharing it like like Richard Branson there's 12 sharks if you look at the guest sharks and eight of us are dyslexic um, uh, you know whoa, whoa. Say that again. 12 out of the 12, eight of 12 eight, eight of the eight of the twelve sharks are dyslexic um, Wow. And, uh, you know, and I go out and share this world of dyslexia because 20% of the world is dyslexic. It's, it's, it's not a sickness. We just absorb information in another way. Um, and, uh, there were many presidents who were dyslexic. Einstein was dyslexic, you know. Uh, there, there are a lot of people who are dyslexic. And the reason why I share this, is not to brag about myself being dyslexic, but two of the things that are invisible challenges that kids have in school are hard of hearing and dyslexia. And when they have those invisible challenges, a kid, as you've seen what's been going on in the the internet, a kid doesn't wanna go, huh? Because they didn't hear something right. Because what happens? They get bullied. Yep. You're an idiot, you're a dummy, You know whatever the case is. So they shun away and they can be brilliant kids, And but, but what happens is if they don't have a support system like a loving mother around me or a great teacher who's our our number one mentor externally from our family who says you're better than that, they go out in communities and then the drug dealers, the pimps and all the whores and all that stuff, they don't care if you can read, write or thing. They go, no, you're, you're smart. Yeah. And then they lure you if they if you don't have the right things around you. There's a lot of brilliant people who are incarcerated and/or they found another route because they wanted to be accepted and somebody else accepted them because they wanted to, the the fear of being uh, made fun of was over here. And I share this with people so that they they look into this thing when they're when they feel their child is having some level of challenges in school.
0: What'd you do when you figured out your daughter? Well, first of all, how did you figure it out, and then what'd you do?
1: Uh, we had it we. My uh, my wife uh, uh, had my daughter tested, but my wife honestly, I was I was uh, my, this is my first marriage. I was running the globe. I didn't have time for schoolwork. And let me tell you something, she went to a school that was a very advanced school. I didn't know what the hell she was doing. I didn't know yeah. what her homework was. When I was uh, yeah. I, that was that was like fifth grade homework. I was like, holy crap! I don't know this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was embarrassed yeah. to even look at it. Yeah. Um, and my wife at the time was like. She's writing her words backwards and things of that nature, because there's various different forms of dyslexia. Yeah, of Dyslexia, excuse me. Even that's being dyslexic
0: right there. Yeah. Now. Um, that's like an unfair word. Like yeah. there's even the word, the look at the word, it's like, it's, uh, anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, it, it is an unfair word. Uh, but, you know, anyway. So you figured out that she figured was Figured like- out,
1: got her help, uh, got her a way to harness the power of what she does, and uh, she's, uh, she's brilliant now in what she does, so. Well, you got
0: uh, embedded in that story. Also, I'm keep sort of meta, referring right. back to what you just said. But the traditional education, so Creative Live exists in part to transcend this tr- this traditional system that we've got. That's sure. basically it's advanced babysitting in one one regard. Like you put, and also you put people in and you move them through this system all at the same time, despite people having all kinds of different learning abilities sure. and socioeconomic status and background and and. Um, ability, and then we—what what does it create? It creates a bunch of widgets. People who are—you know—tries to make us the same. But yeah, the rea- yeah. But the yeah. reality is that it's not what life is about. So, in part, Creative Live exists to be different than that. It sounds like y- you schooling did not go well for you. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah. No, I got left back in yeah. seventh grade. Um, I was okay as a student. I mean, honestly, I was pretty good. Because I really never did homework, never did anything else. I just went in the in the in the. I went in class and pretty much aced it. I, I got generally B's, and I didn't put any effort in because yeah. I, it, it was just easy to me. Math and yeah. science was all the easy to me. Um, but I but I did have my challenges when it came
0: down to um, reading and history. Reading and, reading and yeah. history. Yeah. Got it. So, how do you think that that world that you grew up in? you're not all that old, you're quite young, but how does that world differ from the world that you see today with respect to education and opportunity?
1: Well, I think that there's a lot more information that is at our fingertips, good and bad, that we can access. I think that the tools are there, uh, that we can get uh, easier and quicker data from as we we go into um, and do tests and, 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 and try to figure out who we are, mm-hmm. you know, back then I had to just Go to the library and look through a crap loads of encyclopedias and it wasn't interactive at all, yeah.
0: right? Um, <clears throat> the worst card catalog. You remember the card catalog? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Was yeah, it,
1: it wasn't not even like uh, you know. And I'll just do a selfish plug. We didn't plan on it, but I, I do have a program called Damon on Demand that's interactive. I just thought about that since you okay, brought it up. Of course. Eight hours of entrepreneurship, or uh, eight hours of my biggest mistakes, and eight hours of solutions to run your business. But uh, a, a typical example like that was not really at hand. And then also, you know, if you don't, if you didn't have an education, how are how are the teachers getting educated on this funnel system and how to separate things uh, and things like that? So I think today, it's way it's way easier. But as easy as it gets, the the application and the efforts have to be put in yeah. no matter what. Well, they, and the distractions are way more uh, you know prevalent today as well.
0: For sure. So so I think this is a reasonable segue to the book because to me, you know, again citing creative live here just for a second talk about plugging, but that yeah. that's why. Creative Live seeks to connect people with the world's top experts to help them learn, and in a sense, that's exactly what your book is, right? Yeah. You, you sounds like you learned from the people that were around you, whether that was in business or on the street or your messenger gig or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, is that still your preferred learning method? And that's what you've done with with the book. Tell me, I mean, tell me, did you go to those people because they had? Insights that you didn't have, or because you learned from them, or what? What's the purpose of assembling all these great minds? I, w- for, I, went, I went through for every one
1: of these rising, grind. Yeah, and I'm sorry to cut you off. No. I went I went through these these people because they were established in so many different areas of life, um, and I. I believe that just like when I first read Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, it says you'll see a word in there over a hundred times. You may not get it the first time. You may not get it the thirtieth. You may get it a hundredth time. Um, and you should you should you should read the book. If you, obviously if the if you're the four people on the planet that haven't read it, um, I figured that by study these subjects of who all are massively successful in so many different areas in life, that you are going to start to get it. You're going to see the rhythm when you see somebody like. Santana, who was probably one of the top 10 guitarists in, the war, in, in history or in the world, um, when you realize that he doesn't even practice the guitar anymore, he doesn't get up and rise and grind on the guitar, he gets up and rise and grind on uh, his health, uh, his spirituality, and he says it flows through the guitar, right? Um, now, I understand he's a little hippie-ish, but he, you're going to learn a lot of things from him. Sure. There's a million pretty faces in the world. What made a, a a girl from a small area in um you know in a Welsh girl from a small little town whose father was owned a a, a candy manufacturing little factory and her mother was a seamstress? What made a Catherine Zeta Jones leave home at a young age and become one of the most globally recognized faces on the planet? Uh, everybody's a pretty face, right? Yeah. But also, let's look at the other side. Who, who, like a Kyle Maynard who, uh, who, uh, as I shared with you, had no arms, no limbs, how did he you know, start wrestling at a certain age and in school and lost every match? Lost 30 or 40 matches, whatever it is, year one. Goes back, year two, starts beating people, and guess what they started to say about him? Hmm. You have an unfair advantage. The man has no arms and no legs. I was like, what did, Kyle, how can you have an unfair advantage? He said, well, if I'm wrestling at 120 and somebody else is 120 and my 120 is all torso, they said I had an unfair advantage. Wow. He was like, Trust me, they don't want the advantage that I have. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? This is an advantage. Yeah, this is an yeah. advantage. So I think there are a lot of things you'll see in there that no matter who you are, where you go, and where you'll always have people who say, Ah, uh, you know, you were lucky. No, you weren't lucky. Um, and and this is what I wanted to show people that people have this theory that the other people who are doing okay in life are all walking on clouds and walking on water. Right. It's not, we all have our own our yeah. own problems, right? Yeah. yeah. I share in the book that um, you know, when you and I were talking here, you had some really you have like you have like um the two version of uh peanut brittle mm-hmm. around That's here. That's right. It was the like with honey. cashew on. clusters. Yeah, those <laughs> things, right? I was eating them, I was thinking they were really delicious. I know that you're you know, into health and stuff like that. But I even share in the book how uh, I went and I, even though I, uh, I was doing really good in life, I went and got something called an executive physical and it was like, you know, somebody said, with all the money you have, why don't you go to an executive physical? I said, what the hell is an executive physical? They were like, well, it costs about seven or $10,000. It's not covered by insurance, but they check everything on your body. I said, whatever, I'll go get it because you know what? Everybody claims they don't have money for this, but Louis Vuitton and the, and the Mercedes dealerships are filled with people, and they're buying a whole bunch of crap, right? Let me go get it. They find a nodule on my thyroid. I go and get it checked out. I go and get a surgery to remove half the nodule on my thyroid. It's stage two cancer. I didn't realize I had it, right? Wow. Um, and the reason why I bring that up is that part of the rise and grind is our health, right? So true. Entrepreneurs don't take care of themselves. They take care of everybody else. I don't have time for it, I don't have money for it, I need to buy a new cash register, I need to buy more inventory, I'll get to it tomorrow. And you know what happens? They don't get to it, and what happens after that? They're not like a person like me they, who, who will sit there and be proactive to find out how I can address my health. They'll put their head in the sand and say, oh my God, every time I see somebody sick, I, I don't want this to happen to me, and, and, and somehow they'll, they'll avoid it, and all of a sudden what will happen? Right, so that's part of the rise and grind too. I, yeah. I, I, and I found that in various different people. Their yeah. health was part of it as well. So, yeah. it's I know I'm rambling, ep- but no, I'm, I'm not like learning, I'm learning
0: all this stuff at the same time. It's through an epiphany for most of those people, right? Yeah. Like, uh, we talked about our buddy Gary Vee. Gary Vee came on this show in 2012 or something, and he calls himself, that, that was when he realized that was Fat Gary. Yeah. And what Fat Gary, I mean, what, what he you know, then thought about it for a second, he was not eating. Was not sleeping. It was not exercising, yeah. and had that same realization that you were talking Does about. Does he exercise? Yeah. He, yeah. He's got a personal trainer that goes everywhere with him. Guys, guys getting after it. He's lost probably like 30 pounds yeah. since then. Yeah. Gary is um
1: Gary is fascinating because I don't know how he exercises. Because here's my point. I was talking to him and he says that he walks around a lot of times because uh, with his shoe untied and everybody stops and he says, you know, your shoes untied. And I said, well, Gary, why don't you why don't you tie your shoe? He said, I don't have time to tie my shoe. I said, but what about when you're taking a crap? Why don't you just tie your shoe when you're taking a crap, right? And he goes, I take a crap early in the morning. So what if my shoes loose at three o'clock? Well, Why don't you bend down and tie it? And you have time to go to the gym and you don't tie it. This is fascinating to me, him with the damn shoe. Ask him about the shoe one day. I will. I
0: will. That's great. Speaking of shoes, his new, his new shoes came out. I think you probably saw that. Yeah, yeah, a case square. it. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh good, I get another plug too. You're okay. just setting these things up. You That's and I right. didn't even talk about this. Right. Um, January 26th is the release of uh, the FUBU Puma collaboration. Puma's 50th year anniversary, mm-hmm. uh, FUBU's 25th year anniversary. The first time we've ever done a collaboration. It's, uh, it is it is it is hip hop to the T. Nice. Hip hop from, from 30, 40 years ago whenever we wore Pumas That's to right. FUBU and it's a limited time. So. And and Gary sold out of his shoes. I really love it. Yeah. Uh, you know, he is just he he his grind is crazy. Yeah. And and he's in the book too. And yeah. um, I mean, some of the things he says is just. <laughs> he, he he said something, and I don't want to I don't want to take it out of context. Sure. But I was like, well, what motivates you? You know, when I said fear, my yep. like fear was like, you know, did I um. I can guess what his answer is, but it, I'm gonna let you say it. Yeah, I was like, my fear was like. Man, people are gonna laugh at me because you know, I did football one time, and I, I got you know, I may not be able to do it again. I was like, "What's your fear? He was like, "My family's dead. I go home and they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: was like, uh, Yeah, it's highly hey, paranoid. yeah, yeah I was like,
1: holy crap. <laughs>
0: that's pretty real.
1: Yeah, did you know that one?
0: I did. Yeah, uh, He I, he's revealed that to me. Usually it's he's he's dead. But no, it's the, like family is worse. Dead. Yeah, yeah. He talks I about didn't want to get in. I mean, that's not even. Yeah.
1: How do you even like, start saying? Well, so how do they die? You <laughs> well, know, like, how, the do you, how do you get
0: into it? You, what's the follow-on question? Just, that's
1: just like hot potato, and you just you just walk away from
0: that one. Like, what's whoa, the follow-on question? So trust me, his interview yeah. is crazy. I get it. I get it. Uh, one question on the on the hip hop collaboration there. Yep. So uh, Puma. Like Puma, puma Suede's from the way back. Yeah, yeah. Puma Suede's, the, swathes, fat the
1: dancing, fat laces, Puma Suede's. Oh man. Um, you know they, uh, they're, they're. Uh, you know we're doing that collaboration, and I'm really honored about it because you know, as a little little brown boy from Queens who couldn't go out on a, on on, on, a, on a Saturday night, and I had to listen to the old hip hop shows like Mr. Magic, and just color and dye my Pumas all night long. That was my Friday night, or taking the little skinny laces and getting the iron and. Making them nice and fat because I couldn't buy the fat ones. Oh wow! Um, and starching them and making them fat. You know, again, uh, it, it, it's it's amazing. It just shows that you know if you're really doing something you absolutely love, you know, you'll be you'll you know you'll end up being you'll end up living the life you want to live if you do it and you're disciplined though. And that's the purpose of rise and grind. Yeah. Discipline creates freedom. Discipline creates freedom. That's it. You have to be disciplined. You have to have a method. You have to act, learn, and repeat. And you have to keep figuring it out. You know. Oh yeah. um, P- this book is not going. This book is not going to give you the answers to life. This book is going to give you a technique to act on it, and, and then next year, you may have to switch that technique up and use something else in there, because people always ask us the same thing: How do you have work-life balance? You know. How do you take care of your health? How do you advance your company but yet pay attention to the to the, to the the customer that really is taking care of you? But how are you going to move into this new area of life without ignoring them? How do you get good management underneath you? How do you, uh, you know, cash flow is always an issue. How do you increase sales or reduce costs? How do you uh, uh, gain new customers in the world? You know, uh, what do you do with your kids? How do you spoil the kids or not spoil the kids? Make, you know, we all have the same exact yeah, problem. Same so problem. what we have to do is look at these techniques and create a bunch of discipline disciplinary actions and you'll see what works and what doesn't, but some things are not gonna work. You can fix it, you gotta fix it, you know?
0: All right, so two, I think, if we stay on rising Grind for a moment, so you talked about, a, a, there's a couple of patterns. I wanna talk about those patterns and I also wanna talk about what, I think we'll save the book for folks to go home and check it out so, so they can read about all the individual folks we've name-dropped, but I wanna know what your morning routine is. What, is the, what are your answers to the questions that you asked of other people? Well, they've changed, after the book.
1: Interesting. Um, My, and just small, small adjustments. Mm -hmm. Uh, My morning routine has always been to get up and I have uh, 10 goals that I read. Um, And before I get up, what I do is, I actually look at the phone and emails, but not to answer them, but that stimulates my brain. Because I'm dyslexic, you use more of your brain to concentrate on something. That's why dyslexic people fall asleep. Easily after reading one or two pages, but that gets me going. That gets my right. mind going. Now I cut it off immediately five minutes in okay. because I don't want to get uh, inundated and/or drown in those things. Yeah, right? those are other people's priorities. Everybody's right? priorities, right? As uh, as uh, Chris Sacca says, you know, uh, my my inbox is my uh, defense, my outbox is my offense, right? So I just do that to spark, you know, and, and get me going. Then I go over my ten goals. The same 10 goals that I've read n- the, you know, the evening before I went to bed, because it's the last thing I'll ever think about. The 10 goals are basically very simple. Uh, seven of them expire in uh, six months, and then the other three, one expires in five, one expires in 10, one expires in 20. And I sit there and read those that, uh, that expire in six months, and um, they range from health to, uh, to spirituality, to uh, business, to family. And I read those goals, and um, and goal reading is a very, uh, it's a very detailed uh, uh, exercise. That again, I, I learned in Thinking Grow Rich. But then you you can see Brian Tracy and a lot of other people have those books. Then I get up, and I immediately do uh, I, I exercises. I give thanks to all the people that are in my life, and if I can make three calls to the people that I love in my life, or texts or emails to tell them that I love them or I care about them, I do that. Um, of course, I do the normal ritual, brushing teeth and all that other stuff. I try to put a little bit in my system, which could be something healthy, hopefully. If, I'm, if it's a bad night of drinking, then it's not gonna be healthy, which is something I always have to correct as well, any yep. of us, yep. um, because like Gary said, I don't, I don't sleep as much as I like, but I try to put in the work. And uh, a new technique that I have uh, been uh, employing due to uh, re- all the subjects that I've talked to in Rise and Grind is that, because I don't sleep much, uh, not on purpose, I used to like to work out at midnight and walk the treadmill to work out because, first of all, my phone is not ringing like crazy, yep. uh, I get the zone out, it's peaceful, the gym is empty whether it's in my house or any place else or whatever the case is, and it gets me tired and I wanna burn the last meal that I've had and then it gets me tired enough to go to sleep. And I felt that I was using my time more productive. After you know going through these subjects and seeing how many of them get an adrenaline kick early in the morning, Yeah, I started to do, I started to work out early in the morning. And what I realized is, it saved me more time. I was more productive during the day, yeah. and if I looked at the month, I saved more time because I was more productive. Yeah, And I can still go at night and walk on the treadmill if I want to, or do what I want to do. Uh, I don't want to replace that great habit with a nasty habit, yeah. I just double down on a great habit. Yeah. Um, and, and and so now i'm working out earlier in the day and 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 what i'm finding is that even if i'm not working out it's getting to the gym to physically take that step go there you may not even work out that day but it's the mentality of keeping that ritual going yep. that keeps you going every every single day so that's how my first my day looks and then i then i start hitting the
0: calls and everything else as i'm and i
1: try to multitask as i'm you know m- moving on to the rest of my day
0: so Anything in particular that you like to do on exercise? Just again, so we can get tactical for a second. I like to,
1: I like to just, I like to honestly just burn cardio because, uh, you know, with this new, with this new medicine and all this stuff, you know, obviously I've been gaining a little, little bit more weight, and then, you know, the fact that I like Golden Corral is not helping either. But um, <laughs> uh, I like so to just burn. moving the body really is what you're doing, it's right? Moving the body. Yeah. And, but the reason why I can do that is I can also, I can also, uh, I can also email yeah. and do things at a time before I know what two hours have passed. Most people, a lot of people will go on there and they'll look at a TV show and maybe that's their zone out. Yeah. I happen to do emails and I, okay. I, I knock them down, you know? And got then it. I like to do uh, calisthenics. Got it.
0: So that's what your morning looks like. Yeah. Um, can you, this is another thing I like on the show if it's possible, I'll, like people have been willing to go there. I'm not, suggest so just a little bit of pressure but not too much. Share one of those 10 goals. I know you got some big ones. No, is a fine answer but hmm? no is a fine No, no 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 so so one, it, one of those 10 goals that you read every day it is easy uh, one
1: of the 10 goals is i will uh I will get down to 170, that's my fighting weight, and you know, after, like I said, the medicine uh, and, and the things, have, uh, I, I've I had to figure written, things yeah. out, but um, I will get down to 173 pounds by uh, uh, is, is April 15th, uh, and I will do this by drinking eight bottles, eight, eight glasses of water a day, not eating any fried foods, meats, and not eating after 6 p.m. unless it's after a workout. Uh, I will also put in 10,000 steps a day. And in return for this health, I'll be able to stay around in my daughter's lives and walk them down the aisle. Incredible. So what happens is when I get to a- April 15th, I can be 180, doesn't matter. I reset the goal for another six months. But you have to visualize yourself after when you do, because then, then, I, then, I then I say meditate. And what you have to visually re- look at is me walking my daughters down the aisle. So you powerful. Yeah, you have to visualize it.
0: Because something, like losing weight for the sake of losing weight is hard motivation. I think Tony and Robbins is like, Tony does a great job with this. Tony Robbins is yeah. like, how can you associate something insanely positive with the results of that goal and see yourself in that moment? Yeah. I think that, that's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. No all right, now, second half of that same question around the book. So in Rise and Grind, you shared with us uh, what your morning is, but what are the patterns, not all of them, but what are some patterns that you saw? You talked about... Some sort of uh, quiet meditation, spiritual practice in the morning. You talked about morning exercise. Were there others?
1: Yeah. Uh, offense. When when do they go on offense, and when do they cut away and take time? And no matter how much, how many fires are around them, everybody takes a certain time to ignore the fires because they'll always be there and go on offense. Uh, that's one of the things that they do appreciation for their family. Uh, what are they working for? Whether it's family, uh, loved ones, community, or causes, when are they stepping away to appreciate that because they work so hard? And a lot of these things are super, super simple. Yeah. Um, but as you, as, you, as you look at it, you look at the things they do compounds, um, you know, the efforts they make compound and, great, and create something much, much bigger. And, uh, um, and there's other techniques that I've noticed. Uh, you know, Barbara. Barbara on the show has a technique, and I've seen it uh, highlighted a couple of different ways with, throughout the book. A lot of people write down what they hate, write down what they love, and they start focusing more on what they love and start trying to outsource and/or get done with what they hate, and they keep focusing on what they love. And what that does is that brings them over to that place in life where they want to be because they're acknowledging what they yeah. hate and they are acknowledging what they love, and if they make an effort to outsource this or get this out of it or stop doing or stop dealing with these people or stop having these thoughts or yep. being proactive to get this thing right, they start to, they start to lean more towards here in life.
0: Wow, That's, it's in a way it's sort of like a visualization, right? You're, you're seeing progress every time you check one of those things off the list.
1: Yeah, you know, I, 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 this is not in the book but I, I, have, a, I have a dear friend. She is a, 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 um, a hairstylist in Vegas and she wrote down a list she was like, I love doing hair because I love the way it makes people feel, but I hate standing in the in this beauty salon because those women in there are just gossiping and there's nothing of value there. I don't want to stand on my feet all day and I don't want I don't want to touch all these dyes that could give me cancer. But I do want to live somewhere by a beach. I want to be my own entrepreneur and I want to make up my own hours. So she started to look at that and she started to realize the weaknesses she had is she hated accounting, legal and all these things that she may not have known. Yep. She started looking at this list and doing stuff, and as she started to do more of what she loved and less of what she hated, she started to say, hey, if you're an accountant or an attorney, you're a female, uh, you know, I'll come to your house and I'll do your hair and I'll be your, I'll come here every month and do your hair every two weeks. You, on the flip side, handle my accounting or legal fees or whatever the case is. So now she got out of the shop. She's making just as much money doing that because they refer her to more friends who come on over. She has a better network here. So now she's gotten out of the shop and she feels good about it because she's, changing their lives and making them feel good about themselves, yeah. and on the flip side, she's gotten a couple of Airbnbs, and she Ubers during the day, and she's now living, uh, you know, she has a house in California that she goes out and visits every once in a while, she stays on the beach every weekend, comes back to Las Vegas, does what she does. This took three years, yeah. but it worked, because she kept looking at this direction to go to and
0: trying to find a way to get these things out of the way. I uh, also, folks at home, like you need to pay attention, like th- this is, who would think that there—that that that's a job that does not exist? I'm a mobile hairstylist for people that provide professional services and I trade those services so that I can not have to do, like, yeah. if you ever wondered if what you want out there in life is available to you. Like, it's there. It is absolutely there. You'll figure there.
1: it out. You know, being a being an entrepreneur or a business person could be daunting to a lot of people that thought of it. But the be- the, the reason why I think that I... Hopefully, people resonate with my my my, my products, my books, and me you on know, Shark Tank is because I like to dumb things down. Because I'm, I just have common sense, right? I like to say it like this, the same way you just said right there that uh, you know she figured it out. That's what a mother does every single day. You know, I always say the mother is an ultimate entrepreneur. She brings this beautiful life into the world. I don't care what books you read; it's not going to be the same for every single child. And she figures it out. Now, dads do too, but, yep. you know, sorry guys. You're not special. actually giving the birth. I'm sorry. Um, and moms figure it out. They don't go and give their child up for adoption when the child has three earaches in a week and you're at the emergency room every night. You know, um, and and that is what it is. It's simple. It's figuring yeah. it out. It's acting and learning and repeating. Whether it's a child, whether it's in business, it's just figuring it out and never, uh, you know, never getting comfortable with it.
0: There's another... Uh extension of that which I love which is so at what point do you just quit and you're, not, you're just tired of it for example when you're trying to teach your child to walk you're like after 10 tries you're like no nope, she's not a walker <laughs> ain't gonna happen yeah if she's ain't not a walker happen. we're gonna just call it good <laughs> it just never happens right yeah. like by and large most people in our culture walk and it's because there's this that there, it's there's this relentless like fall down nine times get up 10 over and over and over and there's so many things it was I think it's Cuban actually that says that uh is it like business is like the hardest sport in life or something because it's like 24-7. Yeah. Uh, how does that play in your life? You talked about worth life balance earlier. So do you, do you feel like you have a life or have you made your life like your work in a way that you're joyful around that or how do you think about it? I'm constantly trying to
1: figure it out and work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is something that you have to take inventory every six months and see, you know, how you doing. I, I try to get really amazing people around me to take the duties that I... That I don't necessarily uh, want to do. I also start to say, "Well, why am I doing it?" You know, a lot of people don't ask themselves why. Yeah. Do I want more cars, more jets, and stuff like that? No, I don't. I, I speaking of Mr. Cuban, I uh, I go to Dallas one day, and I'm you know I'm like, "Man, Mark, I never I never been to your office, man. Tell me about it. It's The Mavs, all kind of things. You know, it's huge, probably right." Uh, and because and he's like, "All right, I'll meet you." And then he comes to the hotel in his pajamas. <laughs> And this is when sidekicks were out looking at the sidekick and I said, "Sidekick, why am I gonna, Amazing. I said, I wanna go to your office. He said, I haven't been there in three years. I was like, what do you mean you haven't been in your office in three years? He said, what, am I... what do I want, more money? He said, I wanna chill home with my son, the Jakester. I wanna answer my things here. I... But I'm like, but well, why do you publicly give out your email if you don't want more work? He's like, I enjoy sitting at home in my pajamas looking at this stuff. And I, you know, and I realized, you know, He's just like me. Why are you doing things? You have to ask yourself, right? And that is your discipline, right? Why am I going to work every single day? And of course, I understand, a lot of people here don't have the luxury like I am afforded now and you have to go to work. You have to. You have to keep the lights on and all this kumbaya crap about just do it for love is bullshit at the end of the day if you gotta keep the lights on, right? Sure, there's a practical uh, But But, but uh, you gotta ask yourself why. and. Um, and and I and I change my habits every six months. I adjust my habits every six months if I can as I take inventory. The beginning of the year is coming up. Yep. Or it's happened, or you know, whenever this is going to air. You know, I know that you may keep it for a very a good time when people really need it. But we started doing this rise and grind challenge a month prior to the top of the year, yeah. and as you know, you've been supporting it. Yes. And the reason why is that. People in the beginning of the year get out of the gate in the race and they go, Oh, I'm gonna wait till the first of the year. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start that <laughs> habit then. Right. How do you start a habit then?
0: It's November 18th, and it, you're like, oh, in six weeks, yeah. I'm gonna you gotta be, start warming
1: tough. up. You gotta start warming <laughs> up. And you have to take inventory and start making that adjustment so that in the beginning of the year, you've already started to adjust your performance, not start your performance. Yeah. And now you're really ready to go, you know?
0: Well, uh, yeah, to a little more context. So uh, when we started, um, well, you told me about the new book, and we said, well, it would be great to get you back on the show. I think the concept of you getting so much done and being such a productive human, I think, was infectious. Uh, and the concept of starting this in December, yeah. everyone everyone in the world is waiting until January 1st, and you know, half of those people by January 13th they're smoked. They're done. Yeah. They have bailed on their goal, and in part, like like you said, because they they weren't prepared. But what what is with the the new year? Like, why not now? Like, what's what's
1: yeah? What? It's like going to the gym and not stretching, man. You know, I'm gonna go to the gym and start pumping 150. Right, <laughs> stretch. You know, get ready. Right, get, you know, get you know get ready because uh, you know if you're doing that, you're
0: already ahead of the curve. And for right? the folks at home, like uh, go search Damon. And Creative Live or Damon Plus Me and and uh, Rise and Grind. There's a bunch of video nuggets that are just so good, so good. All right, so the book w- we're lucky enough to get you ahead of schedule here. Your book is out in like four weeks, something like that, mm-hmm. mid January. Yeah, mid January. Uh, so that's clearly a big focus for you. What else is on the mid to near term here?
1: Um. So of course, Shark Tank is always important to me because uh, you know um, I, I have the privilege and the honor of being able to invest in somebody else's dream and uh, it's it's been going on now 10 years. And 10 it's years? It's 10 years, 10 years we're going on. Season nine, we're about to start shooting season 10. Ten if years. anybody would have ever told me that, uh, <laughs> if you think about my adult life, I've been on now a major network for 35% of my adult life or 33% of my adult life, I would have never thought that. Um, you know, wow. when I was back in the days watching Happy Days, I never knew that I would be the new Black Fonzie, you know, on ABC. I just <laughs> didn't think that, right? Thank you, thank you. I'm glad. Hey. <laughs> but um uh, that's important to me. You can't write
0: this stuff. You can't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you do it with
0: two did you do it with two thumbs? I like all the thumbs. Whatever, anytime, <laughs> any, right. whatever
1: good. So, um that's important to me. Um I have a new daughter and my uh, you know my daughter's 2 years old and she's making me uh, you know revisit uh, you know life in a certain way and the values of life and my other two girls are just about 20 and I have been I've been so fortunate to have uh, these people in my life that, uh, you know, I'm working now more and more to be a bigger part of my girls' lives because we've sacrificed so much, you know, coming up in business and, um, and I don't regret it because, uh, you know, even though I was running the world, running around the world trying to make FUBU better, if I was a sanitation worker, I'd have been working 70 hours a week too, because I don't know I don't know how to how to cut it off. I just I just go hard, right? Yeah. i um, And and um. So that that's important to me. I have Damon on demand, as I've shared with you. Yep. Um. Where uh. You know, people who want a little bit more of a, a detailed education and they're running a business, uh, they can uh. You know, get my uh, my my interactive curriculum. Um. I got it. so I opened a new space called Blueprint and Co, which uh, I don't know if I shared with you last year. This is a this is a co-working sh- uh, space for fellow sharks, yep. not for startups. This is for uh, people who are established, um, who don't want to take a ten-year lease and they want to be a little more mobile in the world. Yep. So I don't know. I, don't yeah. know. I have, I have yeah. a bunch of other stuff. I have some other stuff going on. <laughs> I'm
0: gonna put a pin in that for a second yeah. and and shift gears. So we've talked. Um, a lot about. Oh, one thing I have. Okay. A, a, everybody,
1: th- sorry, last one because you can <laughs> probably give it to your uh, give it to your your, your fan base um, sure. or your supporters. Uh, and I saw Gary did something very similar too. We this new thing about scoring our speeches has been been pretty popular, and I think that uh, maybe we can do something together as well. Okay, to, we're not. I'm not trying to be a rapper. No, no. Okay, they scored my <laughs> scored my speeches. None of the words rhyme. <laughs> uh, it's not about me. It's about you. You know, no, I don't mention Cristal, Versace in there. Nothing. No Maybach. No you know. Maybach. No Maybach. <laughs>
0: so maybe, maybe. A, Give me that? more context oh, here. He? I'm, I'm woefully missing this one. Yeah.
1: So, uh, so a friend of mine was saying, listen, it was Martin Luther King's birthday, and they were playing his very legendary speech, and then they put a bed of, every of music underneath it, and it was really cool. And he was like, can I have some of your speeches? I said, why? He said, well. He said, honestly, I'm a fan of yours, but if I listen to your speech once, just the speech itself, it's cool, right? But I don't need to listen to it again, maybe another time. He said, but if there is a, a there's some rhythmic to it or hook or something like that, he said, I want to, I want to listen to that on the treadmill. I want to listen to that on, in the car, or on the way, and I want to keep listening to it. So, Damon, instead of having to do a thousand speeches, let me just play this a thousand times. I was like, well, I'll give you a speech. He's like, let me chop it up. And he did it, and, and um, we've been getting good response. We just want and we just give it away to people. So, um, finding a way to be a little more um, hypnotic, I guess. No, I, I it, think it's amazing. Melodic. I was
0: just thinking, you know, part of my morning routine is I always will program, uh, like, five to 15 minutes of some sort of mental programming yeah. of consuming something that I know is valuable. It can be music. If I need to get up, yeah. it can be uh, a talk, and so... Uh, a recording that I've had of myself or someone else—that's brilliant. What's it called again? Uh, I think
1: one of the speeches is called "Wave." The other ones called uh, some other. One. We're going to give it give okay. it to you just to
0: give. it, We're not great. It's not yeah, for yeah, sale. Yeah. It's to give to people to hopefully okay. give them a little bit. Just cool. Little we'll put um... that in the show notes. Um, what's your hardest thing right now? What's what's hard for you? We've talked a lot about all the goodness. Um, what's hard right now? You know, trying to
1: trying to solve all the world's problems. It's crazy time right now, isn't it? It's it's hard, you know. Huge victory yesterday, Alabama. Yes, Alabama. Huge victory. Shout out to the Democrats. Um, I think black women
0: came out. Yeah, they came out.
1: They came out. Um, Being somebody who has the has a public stage, I wanna, I wanna. Every time I see, you know. A young man died at the hands of the police, or a cop died because, you know, blue lives. All lives matter. Mm -hmm. I want to say the world. Every time I see, every time I see, um, our our leader talking about. Athletes not kneeling or whatever the case is, but yet we're not addressing that you can still buy a a, a Weapon that can kill 500 people in a short period of time And you'll never need that type of weapon for target shooting and or hunting that that weapon is still available to us At any given time and nobody's talking about that, but they want to talk about uh, An athlete kneeling an athlete yeah, kneeling or, or somebody getting arrested in China Somebody's brother getting arrested in China. I think that I think that I think that I, I need to try to take illegal guns off the street. How do I how do I help uh, stop human trafficking? I am on the Petco uh, board, the foundation, where I want to make sure our furry little friends of ours can, uh, who can't fight for themselves, they're protected. Um, the new Me Too um, uh, thing that's been going on, I think that the voices that have been silenced in the past need to be heard, and I'm glad that certain people who is evident when after you see fifty different cases? I think those, you know, come out of nowhere. I think they should be prosecuted, and I'm glad that that the victims now have somewhat of a voice. How can I help them? Because I was been part of um, I was part of Joe Biden's um, it's on it's us on campaign. Us. Same, yeah, yeah. yeah. You were part of it, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you are you obviously know the stats. And and a, and a man who has three daughters and a beautiful ex wife, a beautiful current wife, and my my mother. I'm surrounded by women, and I'm I'm a great man because of women. I don't. You know, um, I, 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 most men wanna act all like this and that. No, I'm a product of amazing, amazing women. How do I protect them? How do, I, how, do I, how do I let people know about early detection? Pap smears, mammograms, colonoscopies, endoscopies, because if you get early detection, I've been getting so many letters now about people saying that I helped save their life because they either nudged their brother, aunt, son, or somebody to go get a something and they found something and caught it in time because of what happened to me. I'm cancer free, I'm running around here, I'm enjoying myself, I'm hanging out with you. I want people to be like me instead of looking at somebody sick on TV going, oh my God, I don't want that to happen to me. I want somebody to say, no, I want a drink and party like Dave." And John and enjoy life because I got early detection. So all these things are the things that I'm I'm um, it's stressing you out. It's stressing me out as well as I'm spreading myself too thin because I always say, Man, my little two minute effort here and then two minute effort here, maybe I need to I gotta bring something in and just really make it mine and, and, and change some lives. So I always just I always say I always say, Am I using my time enough? Because when we look at people that the underappreciated commodity in this country like a teacher or like veterans or people that go across and deal with Ebola and and go and, and fight things. They make me feel like such a loser. Yeah, <laughs> you know what crazy, I mean? Crazy, isn't it? They're dedicating themselves to the everybody. Front else. The front line stuff so, is the front line people are right. amazing. So it makes me feel like, man, you better get up and do more. Yeah, know? I was married to
0: a teacher. Well I am married to Kate. She used to be a teacher and that's yeah. in part was like, oh God, we gotta change. There's some stuff in the schools that's yeah. just like crazy the 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 lack of access to resources and great learners and whatnot again that uh, helped inspire. I don't know how teachers do it. I I, I
1: watched my kids for one week. I wanted to jump out the window.
0: Put thirty. They
1: they watch like thirty kids (laughs) for like
0: ten months. That's crazy. That's crazy. Okay, so that's hard for you. That's that's fair. Um, What's something that people don't know about you that would be surprised to know if you shared with them right now?
1: I'm a I'm a big outdoors person. You know, I am, uh, I, I do. Last time we talked, you were going fishing, I think, right? You like fish, I, I, right? I fishing. I, fishing, uh, snowboarding, I shoot a recurve, uh, bow, knife throwing. I've been learning now, um, kiteboarding, um, uh, banshees and all that. I mean, I'm a big outdoors
0: person. Uh, let me see. Um, but you're the, an icon of... of- like urban culture, H- yeah, urban culture, right? And hip hop, a then, hunting line coming out anytime uh, soon, uh, no,
1: no, <laughs> but but you know, listen, I like that. Um, I'm a I'm a I think I'm a joyful person. I think that, um, hopefully, I mean, you know, my staff laughs at my jokes, but that's what they're paid to do. Um, but mostly everybody Ted didn't that, even look up because he, he I'm not watching him, <laughs> but if I looked at him, he would laugh because that's what I pay them to do. I mean, it's Christmas time coming out, bonus, <laughs> right, right? Right, so, um But on on the show, I'm portrayed, not portrayed, it's really me, there's no acting, but- Edited. It's edited, right? Sure, So so you think about this, a a pitch is an hour long. Mm -hmm. And every one of us, you only see eight minutes of it. But Mark Burnett and Clay and the the producers are brilliant. It really is business theater, no matter what. So what do they do? They pull out the characters you are. We're all characters, Mm -hmm. right? Robert is Gormel Pyle. Robert is go—he's the goofy little thing. Do I you always say that to him, or yes. do I have to play oh, this him? Oh, you, you got okay. to hear what I call him. <laughs> okay. But um, I always say, man, I, I smile and laugh all the time. Why, why don't you show us this? He, and and uh, you know, my producer goes, "No, you're the snake in the grass. You're the quiet one. You're the thinker. Robert can smile. He's Gomer Pyle. You can't smile. What's well, Cuban? Cuban's the cowboy. You never know when Cuban's going to come out with his six shooter, blazing guns. What's well, Kevin? Kevin's the devil. <laughs> Kevin devil. is the devil, Lori, Miss Crabtree, prim and proper, cute. You know, so people people always see me go, man. You know, you're smiling. I go, what the hell? You thought I didn't have any teeth or something? <laughs> yeah, I'm smiling. So anyway, that's some people
0: don't know that I have somewhat level of a you know a smile. You know, any other behind the scenes uh dirt's the wrong word, but uh, I just know folks at home love access to things they don't always get to see. You know, you guys seem like uh, it's a it's a Reasonably fun group to be a part it, of. It
1: is amazing dealing with them because if you think about it, we've been now nine and going on ten years. And it's ten yeah. years, if you look at the the filming uh, length, we have become very close friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm well. Uh, the, here's a better way to say it. I'm like uh, the meat in a moron sandwich. They all come to me for one reason or another. Barbara and I, we live in New York. You know, we hang out. I love Barbara. Plus. Um, I always say that she's the favorite shark that I love because then she lets me stay at her beach house. So if I keep <laughs> saying that, I can stay at her beach house. She's absolutely amazing. Barbara is fa- my favorite shark. Uh, sharkette. Lori and Dan. Lori's really, really great woman. Um, you know, behind the scenes, um, I say I say stupid dad jokes to Lori, and I get her off of her game when she's trying to do a really like serious. Uh, you know, like, hey, so, you know, I'm gonna offer you $100,000 for this and I'm trying to get to her. I go, sorry. She goes, what? I go, what did the grape say when it got stepped on? She's like, what? I say, nothing, it just let out a little wine. And she will crack up for the next <laughs> half an hour and I'll go snatch a deal from her. Um, Kevin O'Leary? He's the sweetest guy, you know, offset. The devil? Yeah, he, he, he just, that's the way he thinks about money, right? Yeah. I take him to the most ghettoist clubs in the country. I take him to the bowels of the <laughs> underground. I take him to live on Sunday night in Miami. And you have to see him walking through. He looks like there's this one little white man walking through with a shiny head in this huge club and all the black people and like, yo, Mr. Wonderful! <laughs> and he walks through like you're dead to me. You're dead to me. Uh, we just have a good time. Cuban is a Cuban is a beers and chips kind of guy. He yeah. is a he's an amazing guy. I remember taking him uptown Harlem one day. I was like, hey man, I'm gonna take him to the Rucker Park up there. You know, you gotta see there's a lot of a lot of homies up there. Be careful. We get up there. They were like, yo, Cube, you left your wallet at the bar last <laughs> week. You know, they're just amazing people. And wow. Robert and, and our and our daughters, Robert's kids and and my kids, say they they go away for summers at a time with each other. So. Cool.
0: I think I mean I know I know Mark reasonably uh, Sir Richard Chris Saka yeah Rich and Chris but uh, and I, I think it, it's a the when I think about from a pop culture standpoint what the producers have done assemble a really interesting cross section of people. Yeah
1: they they, they, they uh, it's absolutely amazing. I had never thought the show would would pass one or two years because I was like who the hell wants to see people just talking like business talking, crap like we all do in boardrooms every day yeah. and. Leave it up to them. They they know what they're doing. Uh, I
0: appreciate your time, man. It's been super good having you on the show. You. So don't forget about the old book. Cause the old book is very powerful. Power broke. Power broke. Yes. But uh, congrats on the new one, Rise and Grind. Check out the little video series we've been doing with Damon. That's been pretty cool. A lot of Little video messages. But Rise and Grind drops on the twenty. Ted, help us with this twenty. Twenty third. 23, 23, 23 July. Doesn't matter January when. January
1: twenty third. But don't wait to get started on your goals. Don't wait to start getting a goal January 23rd for Rise and Grind. And uh, thank you for
0: having me, man. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Damon. Thanks, man. See you again tomorrow. All right, that about wraps it up. But uh, hey, before you bounce, two quick things. What I've been doing, what Creative Live has been doing for some time, and whether it's been a day or 10 years, I just want to say thank you. It's also really important to know on the backside of that that I, I do a lot of responding to comments. So hit me up, on, you know, direct message me on on Instagram or Twitter or at me. I try and respond as much as possible. So let's have a conversation that transcends me just being in your ears here. Let's try and do it some somewhere out there in on the internet land that's thing one. Thing two, again, I'm not quite sure what channels you pay attention to me and my work, but please go check out. I'm at Chase Jarvis or slash Chase Jarvis or whatever on all the platforms. And it's really important to me. Also, if you wouldn't mind checking out Creative Live, it's something that not only myself, but 120 other committed, hardcore, badass people come to work every day uh, to build the place where creators and entrepreneurs learn. So check that out. They're just slash Creative Live or at Creative Live all over out there on the internet. All right, until again, uh, probably tomorrow, I hope I'll hear you. I'll be in your ears maybe tomorrow, and I'll look for your comments on the internets. Bye.